Hi there. Welcome to another episode of Dead and Married. I'm your host, Ashley. And I'm Travis. And today we are going to be discussing 1983 seeds is 1983s is <laughs> I can't talk already. This is a bad start. We're going to be talking about 1983's Sleepaway Camp. But before we do that. Oh God, here we go. <laughs> I got to share a review. I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> oh, see, I, I already snorted. <laughs> yeah. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Goddamn. Here we go. <laughs> I'm going to try to make it all the way through this. Married couple Ashley and Travis put together a great show. The chemistry is obvious, and they clearly can go on like only a couple can. That being said, Travis's voice, and there's a heart eyes emoji, it could make the most dainty choice granny panties moist. So for whoever wrote that... <laughs> you know who wrote it. <laughs> thank you. You know who wrote it. I think. I will take that as a compliment. Goddamn. We love you so much, Kent. Thank you for oh, making wow. Travis you, you terribly, just... terribly uncomfortable. That, that's not cool. You just called him out. I have a feeling he won't care. It, He's he probably, probably laughing all of his ass off right he now. Probably is. Um, and I want to give a shout out to somebody else. I'm not going to name what they did, but Allison, your friend, she is probably one of our biggest and most vocal supporters. Yes. Thank you, girl. Appreciate yeah. you. You know what you did? You told me. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts. Yes. <laughs> Travis is like, do I have one of those? I'm, I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> he, he's to still not. thinking about dainty panties over I'm, here. <laughs> I, it's it's just that they put granny panties and sultry and moist in the same sentence, and I'm not sure how I feel about that. So now, Travis, uh, when when you listeners think about Travis, you're going to forever associate him with granny panties, um, moist, uh, phone books. And <laughs> he's just <laughs> sitting here awkwardly. I think I, I think I just checked out a little bit. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, we're, we're doing on. sleepaway camp. <laughs> Yeah. How about them pickles? 1983's, is that what you said? <laughs> yeah, 1983's. Is. Yeah, 1983's Sleepaway Camp. Starring some people, because I'm off my game right now. <laughs> so, it stars Felissa Rose as Angela, Jonathan Tierston as Ricky, Karen Fields as Judy, Christopher Collett plays Paul. Colet. Colet, thank you. <laughs> Mike Kellen plays Mel, Catherine Kami, I think. It's got an H at the end. I don't, I don't know. If you listen to this and I butchered up your last name, I'm sorry. She plays Meg. Paul D'Angelo plays Ronnie. Thomas E. Vandell plays Mike. And there's some other people. <laughs> uh, Desiree Gould plays Aunt Martha. I was saying, we're going to talk about, Aunt, about Martha. Aunt Martha. Owen Hughes plays Artie. And Robert Earl Jones plays Ben. And yes, that is James Earl Jones' father. So you're telling me he is his father? He is his father. <laughs> search your heart you know it as well as i yeah okay i'm gonna stop (laughs) yeah so there's actually a pretty big cast but in uh on imdb they listed like all the extras so they all ought to like yeah those really are the people that get the most screen time it's almost like a stephen king film in which you know you hire all the local talent around to fill up your cast it it really is it's actually pretty cool but much like a stephen king uh, adaptation you've got a huge cast but it really just focuses on kind of a smaller group of people like i was gonna say what children in peril yeah everybody's (laughs) there but the story is not about everybody a lot of a lot of the cast is sort of on the periphery so Mm -hmm. anyway this movie is actually rated pretty well it's a 6.2 out of 10 
on IMDb, and it has a 78% score on Rotten Tomatoes. I found that so shocking. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. I didn't expect that at all. And 58% on Metacritic, which is really honestly where I expected the Rotten Tomatoes score to fall, somewhere mm-hmm. in the 50s. And two out of four on Slant Magazine. I don't know. that They're probably not important because I've never seen them before. <laughs> Sorry, Slant Magazine. I have no idea who you are. But yeah, Rotten Tomatoes. Like, that's kind of impressive, really. I would not have expected. Yeah, for sure. Would not have expected it to rate that highly, to be honest with you. So I have, as per usual on these episodes, I have a sordid history with this film, but it's another one you didn't get to until adulthood. Until you. Until me. Yes. <laughs> so knee-jerk reaction. My knee-jerk reaction? Yeah. I think I it was just damn. Like you're talking about the whole movie? Like my, my knee-jerk reaction to the entire movie yes. on the first watch? Yes. What the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> That's that was fair. My, that was my knee-jerk reaction. <laughs> To quote Mike and Jay, it was goddamn. <laughs> I, I had never, and that that's something that when we get around to talking about our likes that I'll come back around to, but there's not a ton of horror movies out there where the ending is surprising. Mm-hmm. But this one, if you've never seen it before on that first watch, that ending, I never saw that coming. Like once you've watched it the first time and then you go back and watch it again, you can kind of see some tells sort of, but they're very, they're still very subtle, but they don't mean anything on the first watch. Right. I would agree um, with that. Yeah. It's just a shy girl and you, you sort of take it that way, but second time around, you're like, yeah, now I know why, why she's doing that and why she's acting that way, but. I don't know. That that was my first impression. How about you? So this is a childhood staple of mine. I think I said that last week. But this is one I grew up watching. Once again, how I was allowed, I have no idea. Except to say that I believe my family was not at all present during this viewing. Because it was a film that I borrowed from a family friend who had it on VHS, of course, and they would just often let me just pick out films of it. And so I had asked if I could borrow that. Sure, why not? Probably should have told me no. (laughs) I would say absolutely (laughs) should have told you no. But at any rate, I borrowed like that in The Gate. Do you remember that one with the little tiny demons, the hole in the ground? Is that the one where they... Uh, tiny oh, yeah, they had, they played a they played a, a record, right? And when yeah. they played it backwards, it opened the gate to hell in the backyard. Yeah. So I borrowed both of those. And I'm, I'm going to get people laugh at me for this. This movie legit scared the shit out of me. Like, I've heard so many reviewers lately say that this film is not scary at all. I'll give you that. But as probably an eight, seven, seven, eight-year-old girl, some fucked up shit. And again, not having a terrible lot of experience, these were kills that I hadn't seen done before. Because at this point, I had never seen Friday the 13th. I think I had seen a few Nightmare on Elm Streets, Pet Cemetery, that kind of thing. But I still wasn't that well-versed in the genre. So this was one that when you see something like the bee kill, that's pretty fucking crazy. Or the boiling water. That was stuff that as a, as a kid, it's like, holy shit. And then of course the ending. And before you guys start oh, raising your eyebrows at me, I'm, I'm not talking about the reveal itself. I'm, I wasn't She's like, oh my God, she's boy. It was legitimately that crude mask over that body and those fucking growling sounds paired with that score scared me to fucking death. So 
couple of decades without ever watching that movie again until Travis and I got together and I was like, oh God, I remember watching this when I was a kid. Sit, watch the movie. Everything's pretty calm, copacetic, no big deal. You know, a lot of nostalgia came flooding back, including the fact that it creeped my shit out at the end, even as an adult. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. That last, the wide shot where you get the big reveal. It's not that there's a dick. (laughs) That's that's the shock necessarily. I mean, it was the first time I saw it, but I was like, oh, it's a dick. Um, It's when you pair that visual with that, the face. Uh That sort of a rictus, open mouth, staring. That's the creepy part. It's very, very unsettling. Honestly, did not notice the the growling sounds until the last this last time that we watched it. I had never noticed that before. They're fucking good. Like it sounds so animalistic. Like it doesn't sound human. That face is not human. (laughs) But yeah, it's it's uh it's definitely creepy. And I actually put it on to go to sleep. God damn it! Do not make the face at me. Do not. I actually put it on to go to sleep last night and I was sleepy enough. I got to get up at six with the kids and all that for school. And I woke up at 1.20 because that growl happened and actually woke me up out of my sleep. And now, of course, this movie doesn't scare me now. Duh. But... To have that be the thing that wakes you up in the middle of the night, I was like, oh my God. And I literally jumped in the bed. <laughs> and then after the fact, I was like, okay, I'm going to put Jaws back on now. <laughs> um, I think Jaws is probably more peaceful by comparison, almost. Uh, I don't know, but I just know that there was definitely more comfort in putting that film on than, than this. So... Having brought up the ending and Angela and her penis and her face, not necessarily in that order. Who were your favorite characters in this movie? Oh, gosh. I I really love Ricky the best, ultimately. But I absolutely, and it, as bad as this is going to sound to some listeners, I absolutely have to give a shout out to Aunt Martha and Desiree Gould's performance. I was talking to you before we started recording and I said, I may get hate for this because people would be like, oh my God, why do you love this person that abused this child? It literally has nothing to do with her actions. It's the actress and her performance that is just so fucking odd, eccentric, and over the top that I just fucking love that character. Like, I quote her all the time. Like, (laughs) the way she delivers those lines. And funnily enough, I was watching an interview with her and she was saying that she started to quit that role because she looked at the director and was like, I can't read this. (laughs) He was like, you're gonna read it even if I have to mime the words for you. You're going to, you're, I don't want anybody else in this part. And I don't know that the film would be what it is without her. That being said, I also low-key kind of like Judy. (laughs) She's just so over-the-top bitchy that I cannot take it seriously. Yeah, yeah. What about you? Um, I do like the ant. She's great. It's just, it, but I like her because of just the completely bizarre and out there performance that, that she turned in. That was, that was something. And that, I don't know, like the character, like the combination of the way she acted that part and the wardrobe and everything. I know I told you while we were watching it, you could take her out of this movie, plunk her down in Dead Alive, and she would fit right in. (laughs) Because it's another one that's just so weird. And yeah, there's probably several movies that you could pop that character in and she would make sense. But in this one, you had a lot of young actors and actresses that did overact 
in this, and I'm, and I'm sure we'll get to that. But her, I don't even know what that is. I don't know that that was overacting or underacting. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. It was just the most bizarre line delivery I think I've ever seen. And it was kind of cool. Outside of that, I like Ricky. I think Ricky was good. He's got to be the most foul-mouthed little bastard I've ever seen. <laughs> but it's great. When he's, you know, screaming up at the roof and calling all those guys cocksuckers. Yeah, that's, that's kind of funny. <laughs> I'm going to kick your fucking asses, you yeah. cocksuckers. It's like, dude, you're like three feet tall. Just you're not. Gonna, <laughs> those guys are all in high school. You're not going to whoop anybody's ass that's up there. But. Well, to be fair, he was 17. He was practically an adult, too. So He was 17? Yeah. Oh, he looked 12. <laughs> He did. He looked like a little kid. Well, what Angela was twelve though. No, she was thirteen. Uh, yeah, Felicia, Fleur, uh, Felicia Rose. She was actually thirteen. Yes. But the actor that played Ricky, he was seventeen when they. Yes. Played. So, oh wow. Okay. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. Anyway, I think he was pretty good. Um, I think that pretty much covers it. I would say that there's only one character in the in the movie that I find just offensive. Uh-huh. And I don't know if that's on your talking points list, but it's going to be Artie. So I would say that I probably liked every character in the movie, more, more or less. Either I really liked him or I had no opinion of them at all, except for him. I really hated him, and I'm glad they killed him first. <laughs> right. And the thing is, you can talk about bad acting in this film all you want to, but the fact of the matter is, he played that character so scuzzy and so cringy, just make your skin crawl. And apparently he was completely opposite in real life. Yeah. That he was super sweet, he was intellectual, really quiet, and that they were just cracking up on the set the whole time. Yeah. So it's a testament to his ability, obviously. And, and after he got the, the pot of boiling soup... Whatever that water. was. It well, was water. He was putting salt in it. So, he was I mean, going to boil corn. He had something else in there. Anyway, yeah, water. <laughs> you watch your mouth. And <laughs> anyway, he, um, the burn. And I think I'd heard somewhere that people thought he overacted that when he was screaming. I don't necessarily think he did. Um, it's kind of like Dale Midkiff's uh, thing in, in Pet Cemetery when Gage gets hit by the truck. And there were people out there that he overacted. He's like, nah, he just kind of underacted everything else. But yeah, like legitimately, what do you think you're going to do when a pot of boiling water lands on you? 10 gallons of boiling water. You get third degree burns all over your arms and hands and face. You're probably not going to be quiet about it. Just, unless you go into shock and you're unconscious. But Just laying there. This is fine. Yeah, probably okay. It's probably okay. <laughs> I expect to make a full recovery any minute now. Um, <laughs> I didn't, I don't know. I mean, his it was a good performance because I legitimately hated the man. <laughs> but now that we're talking about that, uh, we can talk about practical effects. Absolutely. So I believe that was a, a bladder effect, which was a big deal in the 80s, especially with movies like, um, oh, fuck. What's that movie where the guy turns into a locust? Uh, the Beast Within? Yes. Good job. You're learning. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. Um, but this yeah. is forced learning. Uh, altered states, those type of movies. Uh, bladder effects were really kind of just really starting to hit their stride and so that's what they did they ran a tube or ran tubes uh, behind his head and up through his cheek they blew some smoke like it was really good because those blisters looked fucking gnarly so not to get anyone out there excited but it was a very moist looking wound <laughs> but no, it was a really good practical effect and i would say that for the most part the practical effects in this movie were good I don't really have any gripes about any of them. No, I mean, 
how how realistic some of them are are debatable because like the bee kill i can't see it actually doing the level of damage that's portrayed no but it still looked good but it looks amazing yeah i I don't judge the practical effects based on whether or not i think it's plausible or if it's a realistic injury based on the circumstances it just doesn't look good right is it believable yeah the uh, only was, practical effect that I think is egregious, even though I said at the end of the day it's disturbing, is the Angela mask at the end. It's pretty terrible. I mean, let's be fair. It's terrible. It's it's not a good mask, but there was a reason for that because in, in the documentary, they had to be it had to be made out of a hard material uh-huh. and it was very, very thin. Right. But they had to use a hard material so it would hold its shape because since they were putting it on a young man that was quite a bit older than her, uh, older than Felicity Rose and bigger than her, uh, if they had tried to use latex or a, a soft medium, then it wouldn't have stayed in place. It wouldn't have held its shape. So they used, I forget what it was, but they said it was super, super thin. It was, de- it was something for teeth. It was yeah. dental something or other. Yeah. And so it was, it was cast. Yeah. And rather than, uh, you know, like a, a latex mold of, of whatever, however the fuck they do that. I don't know. Yeah. And I'm and just trying to sound, eyes. I'm just trying to sound smart. Um, <laughs> but yeah. And they were glass eyes from like a taxidermy shop. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if you have to make a rigid mask that doesn't move and you can't, whatever, it, it's not going to look great. But you know, the arrow kill is really fucking good. It is pretty good. Because you're used to, if you see an arrow through the neck gag, it's usually that thing where you have a bowed piece of wood between the end of the arrow and the front of the arrow that just cups around the person's neck. And in this one, it, it, they did it in this way that I had never heard of before. It was like basically on a spring. So that once the arrow hit in the front, then something, uh, some mechanism forced the end to come out the back. So that's really cool. Like, I'd, I had no idea. I thought that was really neat. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was pretty good. It's definitely better than Friday the 13th 3D. <laughs> right. It's better and than you know, that arrow kill. I, I've heard some criticisms also about Kenny's death. You know, they flip flip over the raft, find his dead body in there. I've heard some complaints about <laughs> that dummy. But when I was a kid, that scene actually scared me. So I don't find it all that egregious. Maybe I'm alone in that. Um, that's one where the, like the, the snakes. snake crawls out of his yeah. mouth or whatever. I didn't have I didn't a problem with I think it was terrible. That. So, no. but I've, I've seen worse effects in Friday the 13th movies. So <laughs> I'm not yeah. going to complain about that one. Part three's coming to mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... We'll get there next month, won't we? <laughs> yes, we will. So I guess the next thing we need to move into is the camera work. And to be honest with you, nothing in this movie as far as camera work really jumped out at me. It's a lot of static shots where the camera wasn't moving. And there was a little bit of POV work, but it was nowhere near the level of like Halloween. What What do you think about it? Yeah, same thing. Nothing, nothing really tremendous stood out to me. Yeah, for the most part, you don't get a lot of camera movement in this. Like you can tell that they probably set the camera on a tripod and they may pan to the left or the right or move it just a little bit. But... I don't know. Like, I don't see any steady cam shots or anything like that. Nothing, nothing from a cinematography standpoint just jumped out at me. It's, yeah, it's just you can solid. Just tell it's low budget. Yeah. Kinda, you know, I mean, the guy, Robert Hiltzig, he was only like 23 years old when he made this film. So probably not. I, I don't, I don't recall hearing much about his film experience. But I would say not probably to the level of somebody like John Carpenter, who had already had a few films under his belt and went to film school and learned all of those techniques. I mean, of course, he pioneered some of his own, but but yeah, nothing, nothing really, I guess, that stands out as memorable. Yeah, I mean, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean. I mean, it's just, it's just a movie. 
There's, like I said, a lot of static shots. It feels very moves. after school, specially but, almost. Yeah, you can definitely tell it didn't have a budget for a lot of equipment. It almost looks like it's filmed in the 70s, almost, instead of the 80s. Well, it was filmed in the 80s with 70s equipment. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It just has a very grimy 70s feel to it. Yeah. Much like the fashion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can talk about wardrobe, and I know that there are a lot of people out there that were overly critical of the guys wearing shirts that barely covered their nipples and shorts that barely covered their butt cheeks, but... Well, I think the complaints I, that I've been hearing is how much homoeroticism is in this film, and... But it's not. As a couple of people that lived through the 80s, it's not. Like, fishnet <laughs> shirts for guys, that was just a thing then, and gym shorts were that short. They really were, like... Yeah, we're not saying it's right. I mean, I hell, mean. <laughs> even when I played football... It, our freaking athletic shorts, they were short as hell. Yeah. Like, you felt like you were wearing Daisy Dukes running around out there. I was going to say, I was looking that's at... That's just how it was. The character Ronnie's little red shorty shorts, and I thought, God damn, I'm pretty sure I have panties that cover more of my ass than, <laughs> than those shorts cover him. <laughs> They're not granny panties, are they? No, I'm just saying that's how tiny they are. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I know that the, the costumes got... Uh, or the wardrobe got some criticism, but I feel like it's actually fairly accurate. Yeah, it, the the yeah. people who criticize it, they clearly did not grow up in the 80s. And you know what? Some of those guys pulled off a crop top better than I do. I've just had way too many babies. And I'm too furry. <laughs> hey, some girls like that, myself included. So Yeah, you did. <laughs> so I, I understand that we've already talked about the practical effects, but... Did you have a favorite kill in this film? Mm, favorite kill. Uh, yes, you get all AC. Favorite to, kill. I'm having to think about it. <laughs> we'll do a top 10 list on YouTube. Favorite <laughs> kills. Um, I'm, I'm leaning towards Artie, honestly. Even though you don't actually see him die. It's I don't not really think a he kill. did. Yeah. I mean, the doctor said that he, you know, he was going to be all fucked up. But yeah, it's I just, don't know that he died. It's kind of funny the way they explain that. By the way... I, noticing how fucking disgusting that kitchen was in that scene because you get the pov and you're or you have the doctors standing around talking but you and i both noticed that there was roach killer like right in the vicinity of the food right over the food yeah <laughs> yeah that whole place was disgusting it was just nasty i mean i've i've worked in a few kitchens throughout my life and you, like if you knew all the shit that is in some kitchens sometimes you'd never eat anywhere again yeah for sure <laughs> like I'm a I'm a clean freak. Like I, I'm not a germaphobe by any means, but I definitely ugh, so this made me cringe. I haven't really talked about what I do, but I I actually I'm a I, I deliver beer. I I drop kegs for. Uh, That's not an invitation for you guys to ask for beer, by yeah, the way. Yeah, because I don't have any. Um, <laughs> but I deliver kegs to like bars and restaurants and stuff. So I see a lot of those places, and I will tell you that there are many many restaurants that we will never eat at ever again. Oh yeah, for sure. Because they're disgusting. I'm not going to name names because I don't want to get sued. But <laughs> yeah, sometimes we're wheeling kegs in the back, and I'm like, God damn! If the health department could see this place now, <laughs> they'd be in deep shit. But yeah, I don't know. Um, I've had to pick a kill, an actual kill. I'm not going to pick the curling iron because it's off screen and we don't really know what happened. Although there's a lot of theories surrounding that and it never indicates exactly where... I don't where, think there's really any theories about that one. About where that curling iron went. I just, I, I brought that up because yeah, all but, I've ever heard, as a matter of fact, I think even just watching it the first time, that was just known. Yeah. That they 
stuck Carl and Iron up our pooter. So that's just what I thought. That's what everybody has always said. But then rewatching it recently, I was saying, but how do we really know? Because well, nobody told me that. Right. It, it's but, just always been known somehow. In a in a documentary that we watched, even Fliss Rose says that. Right. That that's where the curling iron went. But but I thought two you know. things. Number one, <laughs> all you really see you see that kill in shadow. Uh-huh. Right, you see it in silhouette on the wall. It never actually shows the act, which is probably good because that girl was a minor. But it doesn't show the act, and I don't know that that would kill somebody. Hurt. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Painful. But I don't know that you would actually die from that. So uh, you'd want to. Probably. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? So I don't yeah. know. I don't know about that kill. Yeah. Um, but... I don't know. I was thinking to myself, couldn't she have like impaled her in the stomach with it maybe? Or I don't, yeah. I don't know. I mean, could have. I mean, I, that's I obviously know. less effective and less shocking, but. I feel like that's sort of an ambiguous kill. I mean, yes, she died, but the how, they kind of leave that up to your imagination. So anyway, um, yeah, I guess I'm going to have to go with Artie, even though I don't know that he died. The the bees, that was, it was a pretty good kill. I think the effects were good on it. Um, the girl that got stabbed in the shower where they drugged the knife down through the partition I think was good I just I mean like when you find out later that it was Angela would she have had the strength to actually do that and when they show the body later it looks more like a like she was autopsied like it's a very clean straight cut and obviously she didn't do a very good job of killing her because she was able to jump out of the shower onto Mel yeah that's true (laughs) that's true so she was only a little dead yeah, she was just she was alive long enough to jump out of the shower, and then right. once she hit the floor, she was dead. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I'm I'm gonna stick with Artie's, even though that's not technically a kill. How about you? I uh, again, even though you just said you feel that it's ambiguous, I'm gonna have to go with the curling iron kill because it's just fucking brutal. Right. So it's rough, even though you don't really really know where that curling iron went. Yeah, but for as grisly as this film is, I also find it completely fucking hilarious. Wouldn't I mean, wouldn't you say that? I mean, I don't know that it was intentionally trying to be funny. It's just that the way some some of the lines are written, the, the dialogue is just so cheesy and over the top and you're wondering who wrote it. <laughs> well, judging how some of it went and the fact that it made it through editing... Makes me wonder if Nicolas Cage didn't write it. Oh, I was going to say, seems like... Because he does that sometimes. Well, a 23-year-old guy wrote it. Well, yeah. <laughs> but even as, as bad as some of the dialogue is, it's still fucking hilarious. Like, I've this movie is so damn quotable to me, even when there's not really anything going on in the film. Because let's be fair, even though this is a short film, there is so much padding of the runtime that they have these weird scenes that are in there for just no particular reason, just going from the day-to-day activities in the camp. But like the baseball scene, for instance, I I know that's to pad the runtime, but I still actually enjoy that scene just because of the dialogue between the boys. So I have a theory about that. About I don't know that all of it was to pad the runtime. Okay. Because in a lot of those scenes where it's just, it seems like they're just chewing it up. Um, for instance, like when they were in the in the dance thing, whatever that was, their little party or get together, mingler, mixer. Fuck, I don't know. They were all in the same goddamn room. <laughs> anyway. Um, the social. Yeah, the social. Whatever. I don't go to those things. <laughs> I'm not fancy. So um, it's like they wrote it in there to set a scene where Ricky could be either the antagonist or be antagonized by the group of older boys. Same thing with the baseball game. Like they were talking shit 
at the beginning, they beat him, and then Ricky goes after them, implying so that they'll come back after him. You know what I mean? Like right. the whole back and forth. Yeah. Because they spent, and then we may talk about the story later, but they spent a lot of this movie trying to set Ricky up as the killer. I, I really feel like they did. And I feel like that was the purpose of a lot of these scenes. Mm-hmm. Like there's one scene where Angela's sitting at the social over by herself, and these two guys are basically making bets <laughs> on who can get with Yo, her. Angela, why are you so fucked up? Yeah. <laughs> And they go over there when I she doesn't that. when she doesn't respond, then they just start talking shit to her. Yeah. And that whole scene is so that Ricky will fight him. Yeah. Right? Or try to. And, and that's not that wasn't necessarily their purpose of going to talk to her, but I feel like that's the whole purpose of the scene. That's the reason it was written. So that Ricky would come in, he would see it, he would get involved, you know, words and to an extent blows are exchanged, and it, ultimately it's him declaring vengeance. It's funny you bring it up. That he's going to. It's funny you were bringing up this first social, and we already talked about the fashion choices, but I completely forgot to mention the best prop in this film, and that is Ricky's giant ass cowboy hat that he rolls into the social in. And yeah. he, you know, he looks so fucking proud of himself. Like, I'm ready to get in here and mack on some bitches. Like, he just looked like he was being a tough guy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. It was an interesting choice for a bunch of young kids in New York uh, to have one of them roll in in a cowboy hat. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in Texas, it would be totally normal. It'd be weird if you didn't roll in in a cowboy hat. But there, it was it was a choice. But anyway, I guess for me, when you, when you start talking about the film's runtime, yes, it could have been a lot shorter. But they spent so much time trying to push Ricky out there as the killer. Well, the thing is, I think this movie's less than 90 minutes, but it doesn't feel like it to me. And maybe that is... Yeah, it's it's be- just under 90 minutes. Yeah, maybe that's because of things like the baseball scenes that feel like they go on a little long. So maybe that doesn't make the viewing experience feel like it's shorter. Does not make it feel shorter. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I had to watch this movie, what, four or five times to make it all the way through it without falling asleep. Oh my God, dude. I was getting, I'm sorry. I was getting like low-key pissed at you because like literally every time you're like, okay, I'm ready to watch it. I'm ready to watch it. We'd get it like. Wait a minute. So low-key pissed is you saying, God damn it. I'm just going to turn it off. <laughs> That's low-key? Okay. <laughs> I wasn't a bitch about it. I was just like, do you want to do this another time? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because I've seen it a hundred times. I don't need to watch it again in order to do this episode. Yeah. And you're like, I have to watch it before I do this episode because I don't know it as well as you. Yeah. If I don't get 49 brown M&Ms and a brandy glass, I'm not going on stage tonight. (laughs) No, it's I get up goddamn early in the morning and if at any point i get still i'm gonna have a nap (laughs) that's right that's just what's gonna happen but no but like i was saying the scenes like the baseball scene they don't annoy me because there's stuff like eat shit and live bill that's fucking great or uh make it five like i just i i fucking love that scene even though it has no point i i love it you know and there's some weird scenes in this like there's a lot of weird scenes in this (laughs) But just the one that comes to mind right now is the skinny dipping scene. It's just <laughs> weird was, to me. There was an uncomfortable so amount of there, male ass in this There's movie. a whole group of guys that's trying to get this group of girls to all go skinny dipping with them. And when the girls say no, all these dudes strip naked and jump in anyway. Yeah. And I don't. Just, I feel like that wouldn't happen. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to call out any names, but I remember being in high school and hearing about the jocks that I went to school with doing a lot of weird, questionable behavior at parties. And I'm thinking, isn't that a little weird? But 
I don't know. I'm just thinking like you get a group of guys that are all trying to hit on these girls. And when the girls say no, they're like, fine, we're going to get naked and jump in the water anyway. It just, I don't know. It wouldn't, it's not a choice I would make. I mean, I've skinny dipped with friends before, but I mean, I don't want to necessarily say that girls are the only people allowed to do that. So no, I'm just for me personally, not a choice I would make. (laughs) Yeah. But you're, you're like, I mean, I don't want to say you're weird about that kind of stuff, but I mean, you kind of are. I'm like, didn't you tell me that you didn't even change in the locker room or shower in the locker room with No, with I changed team? in the locker room. Yeah. I thought you told me you didn't, that you were kind of private about that. No, I didn't shower in the locker room, but yes. I, did, I did go and I did change and all that stuff. Okay. But, but there were dudes that would just walk around the whole place naked and like, it didn't matter. The female coaches could come in. They're just swinging around in there. Really? Yeah. Female coaches? Yeah. That seems fucked up well yeah but it was a different time well yeah that actually got me to thinking you know we were we were talking about after we finished the movie we were saying this is not a movie that could get made today well no and that's actually something that that came up uh in one of the documentaries we watched is that this is not a movie that they will ever remake yeah well if they did remake it they would have it wouldn't be the same movie anymore because they would have to change so much of the content. Right. It's uh, I, I hate using the, fra- the phrase that it's of its time, but it, it very much was. Things that would be upsetting to people now were perfectly normal for us as children. Well, just as an example, um, the aunt. I mean, a, a lot of people would see what she did as abuse. So, Well, it, I think we would have always seen that as abuse. Right. That, that's not really... Like, just, it was more like just hearing some of the stories about things that occurred offset and stuff. Yeah. But I mean, people would raise an eyebrow now, but not, we didn't then. We just, you know, if a 13 year old girl was dating a 17 year old boy, as Felissa Rose and Jonathan Tiersten were, now you and I, for example, would even be like, oh, hell no. (laughs) Not my baby. Uh, man, that boy would have words. (laughs) But. Back then, people really didn't give it a second thought. No, they really didn't. One other thing that I got to bring up. I want to talk about the police officer that comes out, what, two, three times? <laughs> that mustache. <laughs> like, if, if you can't grow one and you can't make a convincing one. Oh, my God. Like, his mustache just was shouldn't fine. shouldn't have one. His mustache was fine in the beginning. It's when he comes back at the climax of the film that it looks like he's got electrical tape with some fur stuck to it. It looks like one of those ones you get out of the 50 cent gumball machines. It's a bad mustache. (laughs) It's bad. Look, just because you can grow facial hair properly doesn't mean that everyone can. Like I can think about it real hard and just (laughs) pop out You can just flex and your beard pops out. Absolutely. Anyway, where were sorry, we? I was thinking of SpongeBob SquarePants. Yes, yes. you guys like <gasps> and pops out a beard. Yeah. yeah, I do that on Tuesdays. <laughs> <laughs> so tomorrow it's gonna happen. Anyway, goddamn. Moving on. But so much, yeah. Like I was saying, so much of this film is is fucking hilarious, and. I was I, I brought it up already, but there are people you're not supposed to like, but you can't help but like them anyway. And Judy, for me, is one of those. Like, I describe myself as having the personality of Angela, but with Judy's fashion sense. <laughs> like, that's me. I mean, I wouldn't go around wearing a pink t-shirt with my name on it, but... But you will do the ponytail. But I, I don't have enough hair to do a ponytail at Not this anymore. time. But but no, she's just... I don't know. Something about her over-the-top bitchiness and her sassiness. She's just fucking fun. And I mean, 
Ah, a thought just occurred to me. You're a carpenter. Yeah. I'm not a carpenter's dream. I don't know what you're talking about. Look, look, there's a lot of me here. I'm not flat as a board. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) But no, but no, Judy, she's fucking great. Eh, I don't care for Meg so much. I mean, I I know that she was uh, probably one of the more well-known actresses that came in to be part of that cast. But I just, her bitchiness wasn't fun. Her bitchiness was just mean. She was... She was just very mean-spirited from the very beginning. Yeah. And there's that one scene where she's talking to Angela, and then she just starts screaming at her, like yanking on her arm and pulling her hair, and why won't you talk? And that was an odd acting choice. I don't... I, I didn't care for her character that much. I didn't outright dislike her, but I don't know. I don't know. The way that was that the way that part was played... And yeah, I, I can't even give her any grief for liking old men because, I mean... You like an old man. Tom Atkins can pretty much call me and I'm available. I was talking about me. (laughs) You're not that old. You're literally three years older than me. Now you're on the couch. (laughs) But. And I've spent a lot of time there. I'll tell you, it's pretty comfortable. I don't understand. Like, okay. So for all intents and purposes, this is basically supposed to be afraid the 13th ripoff i mean let's be honest and it feels like they added all these weird cringy things in there for the sake of just setting it apart like like mel's relationship with whatever that girl's meg shut up meg yeah I, I disagree that it's a Friday the 13th ripoff. The only thing that I really feel like they have, in, two things that they have in common. One is that it takes place at a camp. Uh-huh. And two, that there's a killer. That's about it. So, I mean, if we're going to talk about the story. Uh, what? It's still a whodunit. We still get but first person perspective. The motivation is completely different. He was getting revenge on people who had done nothing to him, right? Revenge you mean on Mrs. Voorhees? Well, I mean, if we're talking about the first one, yes. <laughs> yes. She's getting revenge on people that had nothing to do with her son's death. Uh-huh. Later, Jason is getting revenge on people that had nothing to do with his mother's death. They're they're taking their revenge on people completely unrelated to the event that ha- that originally happened, right? Mm-hmm. In this movie, since we're, since we're talking about story, like it opens with uh, Angela and her brother and her dad uh, on a boat mm-hmm. at presumably Camp Arawak. Now the interest, the uh, intro, it shows like some some landscape scenes, and it moves across, and you see the Camp Arawak is for sale. Mm-hmm. But it it never says is that before that event or after the end of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Are you seeing the beginning of the movie or are you seeing the end of the movie? Right. Right. In her situation, she was sent to camp. She did not go there for revenge because no one there had wronged her. Her motivation, she kills. Because she's getting bullied. That's right. how I see it. Mm-hmm. So, if anything, she has a more legitimate reason to lash out than Jason or his mother had. And that's the reason I don't necessarily see them I think that's up as for debate. being the same. I'm just saying. But she is, she is getting vengeance on people who directly assaulted or insulted or picked on her, bullied her, right? Mm-hmm. People who were actually responsible for doing it. Right. Jason and his mother did not. Okay, but Robert Hiltzig actually did say he was. Well, and that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. I just, yeah. they're not carbon copies of one another. No, well, I'm at the risk of sounding controversial here, I actually prefer this film to the first Friday the 13th. I would rewatch this one before I would rewatch the well, first Friday there's, the 13th. We discussed it before in talking about Friday the 13th, where there's so many stretches that legitimately nothing happens in, and I find myself getting 
really bored. At least in the stretches of this film, like I said, just padding the runtime, stretching it out. There's still something going on. There's dialogue. There's people fucking with each other, pranking each other. There's there's something in that, not just somebody making instant coffee or building a barricade in even, front of a door. Yeah, even if it is padding, it's not dead air. Yes. And I feel like there's a lot of dead air in the first Friday the 13th. Yes, absolutely. So, I, I mean, because even for that, the the strip monopoly scene, yes, it's it's another one that's to pad out the runtime, but at least they're doing something right. and it's entertaining, you know, right. or, or, you know, at least me. But, but I see your point. I understand. But yeah, to me, this one is just more fun. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. No, I mean, this one's got more stuff that you can kind of chuckle at. Yeah. Throughout um, in the first Friday the 13th. Really, there's nothing really funny necessarily in that movie. But this one, at least, it entertains me. And you all yes. know how I feel about that. Like, I don't want to compare it to something like The Room because it's not at that level bad. But it's just, again, I, I, for the 50th time that I'm going to say in this episode, it's just so fucking over the top that there's something to constantly keep you entertained. Whether it's the levels of bitchiness that these girls get to or Ricky cussing somebody a blue streak. Like, it's it's yeah. great. And, you, and Well, and you've got, like, Judy, who just randomly shows up. Like, An- Angela's got that, the kid that was trying to, you know, hump her leg or whatever. He's over there talking <laughs> to her. And for no apparent reason at all, Judy just kind of strolls up there in her bathing suit and she's like, I got boobs and you don't. And then walks off. Like, just random shit. But it's still, it's funny. So, yeah. Anyway, um, what about the score? I need you to tell me about the score. Uh, because the music did not stand out to me in this movie at all. God almighty. Um, so, they don't really, for all intents and purposes, they don't really have a score really throughout that is memorable. This movie needed John Williams. <laughs> I will say that the theme that is played at the beginning of the movie in the credits and the the end of the movie with the big reveal, it's it's hard, okay? Because it's so fucking dramatic, so dramatic that to the point that it feels out of place. At least it, at at least in the opening credits, but at the same time, it also kind of gives you, it kind of lets you know what you're getting in for. You know what I mean? Does that make any sense? I don't, because honestly, this is another one of those movies where I really did not even notice the music in it. <laughs> okay. It just, it, it it seems like, oh my gosh, like I, I'm thinking of Dr. Wolfila's review of this film where he was, he was, uh, the music was getting played so dramatically over trees and he was like, the trees did it. I knew it. You know, and that's. That's what it feels like. So it feels like it's out of place. But at the same time, when it's played during Angela's reveal, there it makes sense, I guess. But I don't particularly remember anything standing out in between those two beats, except it seemed like they had one song that they wrote for this movie and they played it 50 times throughout. And Jay. Yeah, and it was not as good as In the Heat of the Night from Critters. Isn't that what it was? Power of the Night. Yeah, whatever. Power of the Night. (laughs) What's that other one? Sorry. All right, moving on. I've lost you. The heat of the night. Are when, you thinking the heat of the moment? Are you thinking about it. Asia again? I'm thinking about Dean Winchester. <laughs> so anyway, no, I knew it was something about the night and some guy with big hair. Streets so. are calling. Yeah, you don't have to do that. Right. Um, I'm probably gonna cut that out. You shouldn't. So, but there, there's just I don't know. To me, this is a movie. And then a lot of people say that had it not been for the shock ending, 
it would have just left the consciousness. It would have ended up, you know, in, in the big pile that is forgotten 80 slashers. Since slashers are what I love the most, I have seen a good amount of those. And I don't, to me anyway, this is not one that I feel would have gotten lost because there's so much more to this film for me than just the ending. I agree and disagree at the same time. I think that the rest, the bones of the movie are good, but I think the ending is what kept bringing people back to it because it was such a shock. I understand. Um, I, I hate that that's the shock they had to use however, for this movie. I don't know how else they would have ended this movie. As weird as it sounds, like what other ending would you have for this? I, I get it. I do. It just um, feels very exploitative. It, it does. That's all. <laughs> but strangely, it makes sense but in then this again, movie. I, I guess... By that logic, it seems like all that's what all 80 slashers are. They're all exploitative movies. Oh, yeah. They were all about exploitation and shock value. And this one nailed it. Yeah. So, and I think that, I don't know, maybe people came for the ending. And then after they'd seen the movie, they were like, yeah, there's more here than just that ending. And well, that's, to, and that's to how, me, anyway. No, but I mean, it's got a cult following. That's what I'm saying, is that yeah. maybe that's the reason people watched it to begin with, was because they'd heard, oh, my God, the ending of this movie is crazy. Yeah. And then they watched it and they're like, yeah, it's actually a pretty good movie. See, it's just, if somebody were to ask me what I found the most memorable about this film, it wouldn't be the ending. For me, the most memorable thing about this film is Aunt Martha or Mel and his vicious beating of Ricky <laughs> toward the end of the film. Oh, man. He's he just like, beating the shit out of him. He was like two-fisted Gorilla Grodd on him or something. Yeah, because... Why not? Why don't we have, or, or apart from emotional child abuse, bullying, uncomfortable age gaps, why don't we just throw some good old fashioned physical child abuse in there to boot? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, to be fair, they did not actually show him hitting a child. No, but it's just like, God but damn. You, but you know that's exactly what's happening. He beat the shit out of Ricky. Yeah. Had to have. But. <laughs> like, he was doing some serious damage. Jacks from Mortal Kombat ground pound shit on him. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm pretty sure I've seen a scene like that in Planet of the Apes. <laughs> See, I, I was thinking uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. <laughs> yeah, going in both fists. That's what yeah. I'm telling you. Gorilla Grodd. He's like beating him with both hands. Yeah, it's some crazy it's, uh, shit. But it's, it's stuff like that that makes it stand out to me more than the end. I don't know. Maybe mm. I'm in the minority, I guess. Yeah, but I think the first time you showed it to me, it's because you wanted me to see the ending. and You wanted me to go, oh, shit. I don't think so. Well, I think you knew that I was going to be surprised by the ending. Kind of like, um, what was the one, what was the one we just did? Uh, April Fool's Day. Yeah. Like, you knew the ending before I did, and you knew the ending was going to get me. Uh-huh. But I watched it. The ending was good. I liked the movie, but I wouldn't rewatch it again just for the ending. It's kind of like this one. The ending was a shock. But I would rewatch it again, but not necessarily for the ending. It's because the rest of the movie's good, too. Yeah, I just don't and know that, that was... I showed it to you necessarily for, oh, look, there's a penis at the end of well, this no. film. I think it was more like like Tales from the Hood, for example. I had to show you the films that, okay, don't laugh at me, but I'm terrified of this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, I don't know. Like, again, this the ending of this movie is just not one that I would have ever seen coming. Right. Like, in the realm of slashers, this is, like, one of the ultimate twist endings. Yeah. So, I mean, I get it. People watch it for the... I'm saying, like, you know, they come for the, the music and they stay for the food. It's <laughs> whatever. It's, uh, you know, maybe they maybe they watch it the first me, time. I come for the food and stay for the music. Yeah, whatever. Um, 
But you know what I mean? Like yeah. maybe they most people probably watched it the first time because they heard, "Oh my god, the, the, you got to see this." The ending's nuts. You got to see it, and then yeah. they were like, yeah, "This is actually a good movie," and, and there's more to it than just that. Well, you and I had we had a little bit of a debate uh, before recording, and I said, "Look, I can openly admit this is not a good movie." Like, in the grand scheme of things, no, it's not. And but... most slashers aren't. But God damn it, they're fun. And this one, to me, just has the most bizarre shit throughout that it keeps you invested. And there's just this weird, like, you, you're watching it the whole entire time feeling weird and uncomfortable. Because there's so much shit that happens that makes you feel uncomfortable that you just know something bad's gonna happen. Like, it's gotta be leading somewhere. Because everybody just acts slightly off kilter in their performances throughout. And then you have these weird random scenes that you don't know what they're supposed to mean. Like, for instance, there's this whole sub-layer of sexual... That's what I'm looking for. These these sexual overtones or undertones, whatever, that's just, you keep peeling back this onion, these layers of onion where it's just like, you start trying, getting more about the story. And so you have that weird flashback scene that Angela has on the beach of seeing her father and his partner in bed and they're giggling. And then the next thing is, is we see her and Peter sitting on a bed and he, he's obviously going to touch her. Like that's... He, he's not outright doing it. It looks like he's just sitting there pointing at her, but that's what it's alluding to is that they're going to experiment or something because they're obviously curious about what they just saw and they're trying to figure it out. And I'm going, why is this a choice in this film? Why was that needed? But at the end of the day, it just adds to its overall eccentricities. Yeah, I guess I could agree with that. So that being said... What do you think about the story as a whole? I think it's a, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a, it's a good story. Like I said, that I don't have an issue with the story itself. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say about this story. <laughs> I'm just, like, it's not bad. <laughs> um, it's interesting. It's, it's, um, unique. I would say that. I don't know that I've seen another movie that explores the topics that this one explores. Right. Um, I think that if your acting in this was really good, if you had really good, powerful acting in this movie that wasn't just kind of crazy and over the top with mm -hmm. odd characters, I think that this movie would have a completely different tone given the subject matter that it tackles. Well, that's what baffles me is it feels like they were trying to take it seriously. I just, I think if the script had maybe been written a little bit better... Um, I understand that you can only do so much with the budget that you're given, but maybe, <laughs> maybe spring for some talent a little well, bit. I think, I think that's what I mean is it's not that, it's not that the actors and actresses in here weren't really trying. They just weren't really good. They weren't given great direction. And they probably didn't have good lines. Well, I would say on, they didn't really have good lines and the direction was a little, they made some choices. Right. Right. But I'm saying that this movie would have a totally different feel if you'd brought in bigger name actors. It had a different director, different screenwriter. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But you kept the bones of the story the same. Yeah. This movie would feel a lot different just because of the subject matter that it tackles. Right. Like this one could be a movie that's just so goddamn sad. It I mean, really it could. could really be a heartbreaker if you didn't have, you know, some little guy being held back by an old man while he's screaming at some boys on a roof, telling them they're all cocksuckers. Yeah. I, well, I don't know. Kids talk like that, but... Well, they do. I'm just... The so way that's he acted I mean, it. 
You take a movie was, like It Chapter 2 where those kids were cussing up a storm, but it was still scary and but heavy those, subjects. and Those kids are, this is going to sound so shitty, those are different caliber actors than what's in this movie. Right, right. Like, like that little, little kid from Stranger Things, that kid can act. Right. The kids that were in this, and I do, I will say that I do appreciate the fact that they didn't cast a bunch of early 20-somethings to fill all these roles. Right. Mm-hmm. The, I agree. The kids that they were, the ones that were supposed to be children, they cast children. Right. So, I mean, it's not like Scream where they're all supposed to be in high school and they're all really 30 years old. Right. So. <laughs> but no, I, I completely agree with you. If, if this film had been, if this film had been given, given, put in the proper hands, it could have absolutely have been really fucking sad. Like, yeah. I mean, it, like we were saying, it did just, it deals with some really heavy themes of child abuse and I sexual mean, identity. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's some heavy it, shit it tackles for sure. some really tough themes. Um, but again, that's the reason this movie's never going to get remade with bigger actors and actresses. And I, I think, I don't know that there's any director or studio for that matter out there that would touch this subject matter right now. Yeah. No, no, absolutely not. But wrapping up here, Travis. What do you like about this film? I like the bad performances. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I like the practical effects. I still like the story, even though it's it's off kilter, you know, the way it was written. Um, I don't know. It entertains me. Mm-hmm. And I know I keep coming back to that, but I'm not really deep, right? I'm more like a kiddie pool. Um, underneath the surface, there's just more surface. Mm-hmm. Um, and as long as I'm entertained by a movie, then it's good. And if I'm not, then it's bad. But I think that this has got a, it, it does tackle some tough subjects, but I think it's got a decent balance of your horror elements and comedy. And you've got some of the, the crazy acting. It's got the good practical effects. It's got, for the most part, characters that you don't just hate outright other than Artie. Mm-hmm. But then, like you said before, I mean, you've got to give it to the guy. Clearly, he acted his ass off in that role because I really probably might not like him in person. Right. I'd be like, you're that guy. You're the guy. You're the pedophile guy. <laughs> right. It's it's like the kid that played Joffrey in Game of Thrones. Like, I hated that kid. I don't even know him. Right. But that's just a testament to how well he acted that part. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime an actor or actress can give make you as the, the viewer have like an emotional response to the character they're playing, that's just a testament to how well they acted the part. Right. And I think you and I both agreed that that particular actor really pulled that role off. So I don't know. I I like it. I like the movie. What do you think? I don't want to say it's a guilty pleasure because I don't necessarily believe in guilty pleasures. I'm never quiet or ashamed about the things that I like. It's just... Like I said, it's just fun. Now, you're, I'm going to have to disagree with you on one thing because you were talking about the heavy subject matter. And yes, it, it's it's there if you want to be intellectual about it. I just happen to come from a place where I feel like over time, and I mean, we do this, so we're included in this. People tend to overanalyze every film now where there's not necessarily something there. Like there's four hour videos of people trying to decipher David Lynch when David Lynch is saying, there's nothing to decipher here. I'm making art. It's like, it's a literally just a painting. It's not supposed to mean anything, but what the viewer interprets it as. So I just happen to... I don't think that David Lynch is a good example. No, I'm just saying I don't happen to feel like this movie is deep enough to dissect like that. No, I, I would agree with you there. I feel like the filmmaker wanted to stand out from Friday the 13th. So we said, how can we make this the most shocking thing ever? I would agree with that. 
So I would agree with that. But at the end of the day, it entertains me, makes me laugh my ass off. I can't get the kids up in the morning sometimes without saying, Richard, Angela, you know? Yeah. Like, it, I, I fucking love this movie so damn much. Yeah. And despite I, its weird eccentricities. And I like I like this kind of movie where I don't have to sit there and, and analyze every scene and every shot and what's its deeper rewind meaning? it or pause it to look at all the shit in the background and what's really going on. Right. Um, I don't know. I feel like nowadays people think that every horror movie has to be Midsummer or it has to be hereditary. Like it's got to be this stuff where there's all this shit happening in the background and you got to really think and about it. And don't get me wrong. I love and those you've films. you got to write your senior thesis on it and fuck no it doesn't sometimes it can just be a damn good movie and you don't have to think about it a lot or it doesn't have to be a damn good movie it can just be fucking bonkers and memorable for being that okay but that's still in in my book it's still a good movie like (laughs) if i you're not going to convince me this is a good movie as much as i love it to death love it you're not going to convince me no but i mean (laughs) it's got it's like critters the acting's not great. <laughs> the effects are not great. You're not helping yourself here. It's still a funny movie. I still like it. It's still pretty good to me. Like, when I think of 80 slashers that are... JP will back me up on this. <laughs> when I think of... A- he doesn't like Sleepaway Camp. No, For the record. He will back me up on the fact that even a bad movie can still be a good movie. Well, yeah, to you. But I'm saying in general, if you're speaking generalities, they're, they're not. They're just fun. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that there aren't any good 80 slashers out there. Nightmare on Elm Street's a fucking terrific example of a good slasher. See, that's where we have to disagree because Freddy was never one of my favorites. And JP's mad at you again. I, <laughs> but I love Chucky. <laughs> oh, it's too late. It's too late. Chucky's great. <laughs> but you know what I mean. The person took yeah. the care to create a good story, a scary story. And took care with the script. Yeah. That's not what these are. These are no, just... No, they were trying to capitalize popcorn on the horror movies, boom in 1983. That's all they were trying to do. Yeah. But I don't but agree again, to disagree. That being said, this is one of my favorite slashers. It, it is, at the end of the day, as bad as it is, as poorly as it's written, directed, acted, all of the above, I still fucking love this movie. This is one of those movies like My Bloody Valentine and probably prom night and april fool's day that how if I come dare in, you throw my bloody valentine into that if i come in and you're watching it i'm gonna sit down and watch it with you <laughs> it's not one of the ones that i come in and i look and i go i don't know what that is but i'm not gonna watch that and i walk off you know what i mean yeah like it kind of falls into that same category although i do i will agree with you my bloody valentine was a totally different animal because it was well written well acted we that agreed. one's actually good that yeah. one had no problems. There's not a ton of the movies that we've watched that if you're watching it again, I'm going to sit down and actually watch it. But this is one of them. And it still, even with all of that being said, it still elicits a response in me after all this time. Like still to this day, no creepier words were spoken than meet me at the waterfront after the social. Like, God damn, that still gives me chills. I don't know why. It's just because I know that that's coming. I know that as soon as she says that, I'm going to hear those fucking growling noises (laughs) and see that scary fucking disturbing mask. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, so having said all that, what are some things that you dislike about this movie? Do you want me to start while you think about it? Sure. So one thing that I think they could have done better. It's not necessarily a dislike. It'd be more like a note. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, I feel like they should have utilized the score better, kind of in the same way that uh, they did in Halloween and Friday mm-hmm. the 13th, and used the music to create a mood. And I think some of the scenes could have been a lot more effective, a lot more scary, and maybe a little bit less campy or just awkward with mm-hmm. the right music behind it. Um, I think that the acting, they could have used better direction, even though the, direct, the, the acting is something that we enjoy both of us kind of laughing at and the dialogue. But I think if you were going to make this a, seri- a more serious movie maybe a more impactful movie, you would need to revisit the screenplay or at the very least have a director that can say, that's not the delivery we're looking for. That would be a big one. Cinematography. I guess if I was going to narrow it down to just two, if I was going to narrow it down to two things that not necessarily that I dislike, but they could have done better would be the score and the cinematography. If they would have moved the camera some, a little bit more other than just some shaky POV and just a bunch of sh- uh, static shots. Mm-hmm. If, if they had had maybe more money or whatever, um, I feel like cinematography could have done a lot for this movie um, other than just static shots of people standing here talking or we're going to have the camera in one place and it's just going to sort of pivot, you know, 90 degrees and track this person from wherever. Right. But it's clearly it's not on rail. It's not a tracked shot. It's a pivot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're just turning the camera at a central location. I feel like that could have done a lot for the movie. And I really wish that that was something that they had incorporated. So how about you? So I can't really think of anything just terribly egregious about the film itself. Everything that comes to mind is the reasoning behind some of the things. Like, and then speaking about the end, you know, I said that I kind of felt like that shock felt wrong. But I feel worse about it mostly because of how they did the actor who played nude Angela. Yeah. I hate it that the guy drank and then sat there crying and they still had him do that scene. Like, that makes me feel fucking terrible. He was uncredited. Yeah. And to this day, no, he never came forward to admit that he had done that part. And understandably so. Like, I get it, but... I just feel like if the guy was having that hard a time, why they should have said, hey, look, this is obviously affecting you and you're uncomfortable. Don't worry about it. We'll find somebody else. Maybe you shouldn't do this. Yeah. That's not how Hollywood works. I just, I don't know. that that Having that knowledge makes me feel really terrible about that scene. And yeah. so it has affected the way that I look at it, you that, know? That scene kind of ruined that guy's life. It seems like it did. Yeah, I don't know if it ruined I mean, his life since, we no, don't since know he for still sure, has anonymity. But if it had that effect on him then, there's no way he didn't carry some of that out with him. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, But as for the movie, movie itself, there's nothing I outright dislike about it. Because I think I've already said, this is not a good movie. It's terrible, but I still love it. But those things that would be all the dislikes are what make me love it. So I can't really say that there's nothing I dislike about it. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Like, yeah, I think that's fair. All the shitty stuff makes, it just enhances the viewing experience for me. Right. It's like Psycho Goreman. There's not any good acting anywhere in that movie, (laughs) but we both love it. Yeah, that's fair. Because it's the shitty acting that makes the movie great. Yeah. So if you haven't already seen it, I will say absolutely give it a watch. It is one that I recommend to people. Um, Yes, I recommend this movie with stipulations, (laughs) (laughs) I guess. For the viewer. With a warning. Like, this gets the the jackass warning at the beginning. Right. Warning, the film you're about to see. (laughs) So, anyway. But I still think it's a good movie. I love it. I, I, I don't care. I love it so much. It's a good, not good movie. It's a good, not it's good not movie. Good, good movie. I, however that works. <laughs> Shitty acting, good movie. 
we're just gonna have to agree to disagree about that from now on. But I love Except it. Except for Felissa Rose, okay? And I just got to talk oh, about her for a minute. Oh, my God. She did a whole lot without saying very many words through this whole movie. She so did. And she's, like, pretty awesome in real life. Because yes. Because apparently she will, like, really answer her fans' tweets. Like, she's active on social media. She talks to people. And she loves this movie. This was her thing. Like, she's... In all the interviews, She this movie still holds a special place in her heart. She's happy she did it. She's not like those other celebrities that, like... Shun oh, man, it. I, I, I did do a horror movie once way back when, but we don't talk about that. She's right. like, fuck yeah, I was in Sleepaway Camp. I hear she's fucking great at conventions. Oh, I can imagine. Like, I would love to meet her but so much. she's proud of this movie. She loves the the fans. She loves the horror community. And, yeah. I mean, I, she's... I like it when you get an actor or actress that really embraces it. And they're like, this is badass and I love the fans and, you know. Yeah. And, you know, as much as we have shit on the acting, her barely having any dialogue or anything, the fact that they wanted somebody as wide-eyed as hers worked perfectly because her eyes conveyed so much throughout that you didn't know what was going on behind them but you knew what was going on behind them like i think she played the part perfectly i think that when we talk about the bad acting we're talking about the speaking parts Uh uh-huh but not you mag yeah (laughs) yeah but no hers she she had to do a whole lot without saying a word for what the first three quarters of this movie Uh nearly i mean she had like some one and two word answers uh in the back half but really not a ton of dialogue for her right and she did a whole lot just with facial expression she really did she did a lot with facial expression but i i suspect that probably just as a person she's pretty awesome oh yeah yeah for sure and so beautiful she's a really pretty lady no comment (laughs) on the grounds that it might get me in deep shit But anyway, guys, that's going to do it for us for this episode of Dead and Married. I've been your host, Ashley. And I've been Travis. I'm I'm still Travis. (laughs) I said that in past tense, but I'm I'm still me. (laughs) Don't worry. And next week, we're going to come back with The Burning, another film that's got some slight controversies in it, and we'll tackle those. But until then, bye, guys. Bye. guys quick reminder to find us on social media you can find me on twitter and instagram as spooky mom 83 and travis on twitter as travis l80 and find our official page on instagram and twitter at dead and married if you have any questions or suggestions for films or otherwise feel free to email us at dead and married at yahoo.com later